Welcome to Standard Chartered India Money Insights, a podcast series that brings you topical insights and local perspectives on India's markets from the experts. Hi, I'm Ravi Singh, Chief Investment Strategist at Standard Chartered Bank India. Welcome to another edition of Views from the Street, bringing you market views and insights on how you should look at your investments from industry veterans and experts. Today, we are joined by Mr. R. Siva Kumar, Head of Fixed Income at Access Mutual Fund. Thank you, Siva, for joining our podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It will be, I'm sure, quite exciting for me. This is, uh, this is something new for me. Well, so let's get started. Siva, the past year was quite eventful for investors across asset classes. How do you see India's macroeconomic situation evolving in 2023, given the current global backdrop? No kidding. The last year was eventful for global uh, and local uh, rates, equities, you name it. Every asset class seems to have taken a pounding in 2022. And what underpins it really is, of course, global economy coming out of the pandemic. And with that sharp pickup in growth and what's much less welcome is a sharp pickup in inflation globally since, let's say, mid-2021. Central banks, I think, were kind of slow to react, but they've really, really stepped up the pace of raising rates, whether it be the Reserve Bank of India or the US Fed or most of the other central banks. So really, the story of 2022 has been central banks catching up to inflation. So the question for 2023 really is, now that we are well on our way to much higher interest rates, how much higher can rates go? And a lot is priced in as we speak today. It's expected that the US will take rates to, let's say, well above five and a half percent, probably close to six percent. That will be, you know, uh, just to put that in context, we've not seen that this century. So it's a, it's an amazing, um, uh, it will be an amazing experience if they actually manage to do that. And I think the good news is the markets, as always, are ahead of the Fed or ahead of the RBI. And a lot of these rate hikes are now priced in. And that, I think, is going to be the opportunity of the year. That at these levels of yields, where the Indian 10-year is very close to 7.5%. In fact, the entire yield curve is uh, practically at 7.5%. I think many of these risks have got priced in. And what we saw in 21-22 is very unlikely to be repeated. And therefore, the, the outlook for especially fixed income is looking way, way more rosy today uh, than it's been in the last couple of years. Yeah. Thanks, Shiva. Actually, you uh, did uh, also cover the second question that I had for you. And it was more on uh, the shift, you know, the sharp shift in market expectations of central bank rate hikes that we've seen throughout the second and third and fourth quarter of 2022. And it's something that we've also seen in the first quarter itself. Could you share what has actually caused that and uh, what are the repercussions for India and specifically on RBI's monetary policy action going ahead? Yeah, as I was saying in the, you know, the earlier, the, the point is, resilient growth and high inflation. See, that's the underlying macro theme. When you have high inflation, then the central banks tend to raise rates. And when you have resilient growth, the central banks are emboldened to raise rates. Remember that, for example, the RBI says that they want to control inflation, but their stance of monetary policy is withdrawal of accommodation while being supportive of growth. No central bank wants to engineer a recession or a slowdown just for the sake of it. They want to do that in the context of inflation management. And I think that's really the theme of whether that's the US Fed or whether that's the RBI. I think we should expect central banks to be laser focused on inflation, especially if growth is contained. Uh, sorry, if growth is uh, stable. And that if is very important because if you look at the expectations from central banks, 
you know, this is, you know, various measurement, uh, various language used such as soft landing, hard landing and off late, there's this concept of no landing, which is to say that the growth will continue. And in a scenario where you don't actually have a growth slowdown or where you expect some kind of a soft landing, we should expect central banks to be more comfortable in keeping rates higher for longer. And I think that's what the market today is saying, that at least in the short run, over the next, let's say, 6 to 12 months, uh, the central banks are likely to raise rates and keep it higher for longer. This is a big change that we have noticed over the last, let's say, a month or so, compared to where we've been uh, earlier in the year or any time in the last uh, year or so, and the market has become way more hawkish. But the question is, obviously, that this is all priced in. And the real question is, where does the data go from here? As the central banks have said, we are data dependent, which means there is no guidance, there's no forward guidance. And it's very important that we track how the data flows and very uh, the market could turn on a dime, as it said, that if the data turns soft all of a sudden, let's say a few months down the road, uh, expectations could change quite dramatically. But in the meantime, what we do expect to see is rates remaining higher for longer. How does this play out? And I think it's important also to discuss how this plays out. As I mentioned, if the US Fed goes to five and a half or six percent, it is really not logical for the RBI to stop at six and a half percent. Rates are too low. The spread is too low between US and Indian rates. If the US Fed is at five and a half and the RBI is at six and a half, uh, we have never seen the spreads that low ever. And therefore, the expectations will build if the US keeps raising rates that the RBI will also have to raise rates, if only defensively, to protect the value of the rupee or to protect any kind of spillover effects coming from US rate hikes, etc. So the base case that we see now is the RBI will be sensitive to what the Fed does. Domestic macro in India is very helpful for the RBI. Inflation is forecast to remain below 6%. Growth is expected to remain relatively stable. And that means that other factors will also be in play, such as, uh, such as the US. So overall, expect rates to remain somewhat higher for longer. Well, that brings me to the third question. In the union budget uh, announcements of fiscal year 2024, we saw the government uh, sticking to its fiscal prudence path and also announcing, uh, you know, the borrowing for fiscal year 24, which was lower than uh, the market expectations. How do you see bond demand and supply dynamics panning out for fiscal year 2024? Yeah, thanks for that question. Uh, you know, the two big risks that we are facing for bond markets. The first risk is what the Fed will do and therefore what is our imported monetary policy. And the second is what's going on with the FISC. The, to be sure, the fiscal deficit has come down and what's welcome also is the change in spending from you know revenue expenditure to CapEx. So that's definitely a welcome, welcome change. But the absolute level of the fiscal deficit, which is very close to 6% of GDP, and add in the states who are very close to 3% of GDP, we are talking about very close to 9%, maybe 8.5% to 9% general government deficit that's consolidated center and states put together and for the last three years this number has been running between 10 and 13 percent of gdp now that's extraordinary high numbers just to put this in perspective we didn't hit anywhere near those numbers even during the uh, balance of payment crisis in early 90s i mean this is this is just absolutely extraordinary how much deficit uh, we've run in the recent past so yes consolidation is important but the consolidation path is actually very slow. And even by FY26, the government expects to bring the deficit down to maybe 4.5%, which is way higher than the 3.5% we were before the pandemic. So we are looking at a long period of very wide fiscal deficits. Now, this matters a lot because the spillover effects on the economy tend to be quite large. The government has no problem financing itself. 
because it's a sovereign asset and cannot default. And the only question is about interest rate the government borrows. So occasionally, if the deficit is high, they may need to pay a slightly higher rate of interest. But that's about it. And it's not a huge cost to the government from that perspective. But the impact that it potentially could have on the rest of the economy is very high. There is this so-called crowding out effect that when the fiscal deficit is very high, it crowds out private sector borrowings because the government eats up most of the savings in the economy. And that reduces the amount of capital available for the private sector, especially the private corporate sector. And there are two ways to solve this problem of you know, financing growth. One is that the RBI intervenes through open market operations to finance part of the deficit, which is inflationary. We have seen that over the last few years. Or two, you have to import capital from abroad at unfavorable conditions, which forces up the current account deficit and puts pressure on the currency. Well, we have seen that also. So one pressure point on the macro systems really comes out of this high fiscal deficit. Like I said, the good news is the fiscal deficit is coming down. And I think as long as the government can credibly promise to follow the path of fiscal consolidation, the outcome will be a lot more positive. I think uh, we should have seen the worst of it over the last two, three years. Uh, but I will be very, very watchful to see how this pans out because the path of fiscal consolidation or the, you know, why, you know, I, let me put it to you in a different way. When growth is low and there is little competition for capital, the government can get away with high deficits because there's a lot of savings and very little by way of investment demand in the economy. But as investment demand in the economy picks up, there's going to be competition between the private sector and the government sector for capital or for savings. And that's something which, which I think the system may need to be careful. And I would really be worried about rates only if we really see these working at cross purposes. They're not there yet. Well, that brings me to the last question. So uh, bond investors have witnessed two consecutive years of muted returns in 2021 and 2022. How do you see 2023 for bond investors and what are the areas of opportunities? What's really interesting uh, for me is that despite this extraordinary rise in interest rates, we've seen the RBI policy rate go from 3.35 to 6.5 as a rise of more than 300 basis points. The 10-year GSEC yield has gone from 580 to 7.5. We've seen extraordinary rise in yields across the curve. And yet, bond funds have outperformed cash in the last one, two, three years. And that's amazing. And despite this extraordinary rise in yields, uh, there's a lot of resilience in the bond market. And this comes from two sources. One is the steepness of the yield curve, right? If the curve, if the yield curve is steep and it continues to be reasonably steep at the short end, what that means is mark-to-market losses are compensated by higher yield. The second is holding period. Most of, you know, bond funds and other investment opportunities tend to be relatively shorter duration. Uh, let's say a short-term fund has a duration of about two years. And if your holding period is, let's say, three years, what happens is those bonds, which were lower yielding three years ago, have matured and got rolled into newer bonds at higher yields. When your holding period is long enough, what really dominates is the average rate of interest over the life of that holding period rather than the mark-to-market. So rising interest rates on the whole have actually been pretty good for us. The second point is now that the rates have come to these levels, where do we go from here? One year AAA certificates of deposits, A1 plus rated, are yielding you close to 8%. Three years, close to 8%. Five years, close to 8%. Ten years, close to 8%. If you look at GSEC curve, whether you're looking at a six months to 12 months treasury bill or the 10-year government of India security, everything is yielding very similar levels. Yield curve is extraordinarily flat. You go to the US, the yield curve is inverted. 
six months to two years, the yields are above five percent, and the ten year is four percent. So yield is extraordinarily inverted. This is a classic sign that says that the markets are saying that the Fed is wrong or the RBI is wrong, and that short-term rates are too high for the state of the economy. Long-term interest rates reflect state of macro. Short-term interest rates reflect the state of the central bank. So what this current state is telling you is that the market is saying that central banks are too tight. So the central banks are saying, look, inflation is high, growth is high, therefore short-term rates remain high. The markets are saying, no, no, this is transitory, uh, and that growth will come off and inflation will come off. So let's see either of these scenarios play out. How does that change for us as investors in the market? One. If the market is right and there's a significant growth slowdown, we will see easier monetary policy in the future. We will see rate cuts, etc., and the yield curve will become normal. That is to say, today the yield curve is flat. The yield curve will normalize with short-term rates coming down relative to long-term rates. In such a scenario, short-term bonds will outperform, as that's where the yields are dropping. The second scenario is that the central banks are right, and that inflation is a sticky problem, and that growth is going to be strong, and therefore rates can remain higher for longer. In which case, it's the bond market which will have to give up, and long-end rates have to go up. Even then, what that means is the curve normalizes. That is, long-term interest rates are higher than short-term interest rates. In the second scenario, again, short-term bonds outperform because it's the long bonds underperforming. So we are in a you know in a unique situation today where the two major directions that the market can go both result in short-term bonds outperforming long-term bonds. And this is a big difference from where we were a year ago or two years ago. Where we had the call, so-called barbell strategy, where we would have cash and long bonds uh, as a way to avoid the short end of the curve, and that call was perfect. We thought the short end of the curve sold off much more than long end of the curve, and that led to a flattening yield curve. Today, we believe that the yield curve is renormalizing or will renormalize over the next year or two, and therefore our core holdings, we say, would go, should go into the short-term space. You could have tactically a long bond holding, especially if market is if the, if the economy is rolling over and markets are expecting rate cuts. Of course, long bonds may outperform on a tactical basis. The, I would suggest you leave that to mutual funds from a tactical timing perspective. It's very inefficient to do that post taxes individually. But I would say that the opportunities are there. Yields are relatively high, and you can, you are getting compensated. Inflation plus two percent, roughly five and a half percent average inflation expected, seven and a half percent yields on bonds, or eight percent yields on bonds. I think it's a you're getting compensated for inflation, and I think the opportunity is for short-term bonds to outperform going forward. So I think there's a lot of opportunities out there for investors, uh, and really positive on uh, out of profit income for the coming two years, two or three years. Thanks a lot, Sivan. Uh, that was quite insightful, and it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks, Ravi. Thanks for having me, and uh, likewise a pleasure. And I hope we can keep uh, doing this. Thank you. Thank you. So this brings us to the end of this edition. Thank you as always for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like and subscribe. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered India Money Insights. Stay tuned for the latest updates and market trends by subscribing to our podcast. For more information, reach out to your Standard Chartered Relationship Manager. Or visit www.se.com/slash-in.